Welcome to A Sensory Emotional Lens. I am Michelle Parkins. Welcome back to A Sensory Emotional Lens. We are here for part two of our What's Happening in Play series. So Laura Baldwin is back with us today. Hi, Laura. Hi, everyone. We're excited to be back to continue our conversation from last week, where we are diving much deeper into what is happening in play, both from a sensory motor standpoint and a social emotional perspective through each specific play situation that we are discussing. Um, So last week, we spent most of our time on the sensory systems, um, primarily looking at the beginning of sensory processing or sensory motor capacities, which is the registration modulation of sensation, um, so sensory over-responsive experiences, sensory under-responsive experiences, and the matching sensory emotional personality styles, and then sensory discrimination and the matching sensory emotional personality style. So today, we are going to focus more on the sensory motor outcomes or sensory motor capacities, so our, our posture stability um, and our motor planning, motor coordination capacities, and the matching sensory emotional personality styles. Um, So we'll jump right in. Um, As you remember, we go through each sensory emotional personality style, um, set up a play scenario for you, and then I'll go over what's happening in the sensory motor systems, and then Laura and I will talk about the um, social emotional uh, happenings in that play. So for our needy yet compassionate sensory emotional personality style, remembering these are kids that present uh, generally with some weakness in their body, um, typically in core strength and core stability, um, which is also sometimes called hypotonia um, or core strength weakness. Um, These kids present often with low endurance and poorly graded actions. So I think a lot of times people think about kids with core weakness as generally looking weak. And that is the case sometimes, right? Where our kids can be more low, kind of floppy, if you will. Like just if you go to pick them up, they're like not really helping you when you pick them up. Mm -hmm. They're kind of hanging out or they're laying around often. But the opposite can also be true where they're always in motion. And the, the foundation is the same where there's a weakness in stability, a weakness in this, what we call this co-contraction within the core muscles of the body that allow us to be still. So it's easier to be in motion or to be lying down than it is to be maintaining one position in space, Mm -hmm. essentially. So um, you may be thinking about a child or your own child who could present in one or both of these ways. Um, Often we we do see both where the child's either, I often say like an all or none style. They're up and going or they're not. They're lying down and they're hard to get up and going. So our play with our needy yet compassionate kids generally focuses around the play themes of powerful and brave. So because of that underlying weakness in the body, they're generally not feeling very powerful, not feeling strong enough, not feeling brave, and we want to invite that experience in play. So we'll use the play scenario today of a child who's a superhero on a mission to save a planet from the aliens. Um, So if you're here with us, you might picture our space room at Great Kids Place where we have our ball pit shaped like a spaceship um, and lots of planets painted on the the walls and toys that match that theme. So Mm -hmm. our aliens and our planets and our rockets and things that we play in there. So can picture that kind of set up in that room if you're here with us at Great Kids Place. So we have objects around the room that invite strength and power. 
Um, so things that you can push, pull, climb, carry, catch, throw, kick, anything that you can can basically move your whole body. And remember, I, I won't ever give up on that <laughs> whole body play um, to to experience strength and power. So the sensory motor experiences themselves from a sensory perspective focus primarily on proprioception and vestibular activities. So proprioceptive activities are things that are more resistive, require heavy work, activation of the muscles, and our vestibular is movement activities. And the foundation here is those are the two sensory systems that are primarily the foundation for the development of core strength and postural stability. Um, so as always, it is an integrative experience where we, things that we see, things that we hear, things that we touch invite postural shifts, right? Mm-hmm. The shifts of our body and the movement of our body. But these two systems process the way that our body should move to activate the core muscles. So a very quick sensory motor lesson here that I often give families as an example is we may all be sitting. I know Laura and I are sitting. um, And I often say just pretend like you're going to lose balance off to one side of your chair, right? So your body from your vestibular system says, I'm moving. That's that registration of movement. And then it goes into, into discrimination of movement and says, I'm moving in this direction, this fast for this long. And then says, hey, muscles, hey, proprioceptive system, contract. Contract these muscles at this intensity for this long so that you don't fall over, mm-hmm. right? And so it's this communication between the vestibular and the proprioceptive system, the movement registration and discrimination and muscle registration and discrimination that allows us to contract those muscles and activates the muscles that then go on to develop core strength the more we contract them. Even though we're talking about motor systems here, remembering that from a sensory integration standpoint, it, they're all rooted in sensation. Okay. So the focus on that muscle-based work and movement-based experiences are the foundation here for our needy yet compassionate kids. And we want to move from this needy, weak feeling to this strong, brave, and helpful social-emotional experience. So to break down that sensory motor uh, experience more, in addition to using resistive activities, pushing, pulling, climbing, carrying, catching, throwing, right, those activate the muscles. So that's a, a proprioceptive task. Um, we getting into character here. So remembering our play is that we're a superhero on a mission to save the planet, mm-hmm. right, from the aliens. So we can use common superheroes definitely in this play that really helps our kids get into the character. Um, They've seen these characters. They probably have t-shirts or costumes with these characters. We absolutely can dress up like these characters in the costume. If you don't have a costume, it's okay. A t-shirt with this is fine. Um, You know, sometimes we have our families will draw like masks on plates, Mm -hmm. right? And just wear that, you know, as become capes. Absolutely. (laughs) Whatever you have around can be, can transform your child into these superheroes. So from a, a muscle-based standpoint, standpoint, proprioception, we can be Spider-Man um, who's hanging and jumping onto buildings. In the gym, we have climbing nets, climbing structures that we're climbing onto, grabbing on edges um, to kind of get around these buildings. We can be Superman who's using their, his super strength to lift objects and throw them out of the way to make the rescue and to save the day from the aliens. We can Hulk smash 
to make mm-hmm. the rescue. Um, or we can be Thor and we can have a hammer, which could be a weighted animal. It could be a pillow. Um, it could be a pillowcase with stuffed animals in it. Mm-hmm. Um, or in our gyms, we also often have um, foam objects, swords, hammers, things like that, um, that that we're using to break down a wall, right? So blocks, we can build up a bunch of blocks and we're using our hammer to make that rescue by knocking down the wall. From a vestibular standpoint, that movement piece, as Spider-Man, we can swing through the universe on those various types of swings. So if you were with us last week, you can remember um, we talked about the vestibular system and how it's um, formed and, and how it has multiple canals and our body placed in different positions activate those different canals, right? So our different swings in the gym, whether we're going back and forth or side to side or spinning or bouncing, all activate a different part of that movement system. Um, So as Spider-Man, we can be swinging back and forth. We can be spinning in circles. Um, We can be Superman, and and that allows us to put our body in different positions, lying down, lying down sideways, even upside down, right? Lying on your back, flying on the swings. Um, So again, placing that body in different movement positions to activate the vestibular system. Mm Yeah, I think that's an awesome example. And when I think about the social emotional experiences, so kind of first, when I think, as you mentioned, about postural difficulties, right, sometimes we can really see these, right, we can see the impact that it has on the body perspective. And I think the more challenging and less straightforward part of this is the emotional consequences of um, postural challenges. So for individuals who have that weakness, they they may appear weak, but then also emotionally, they will get the, the labeled as helpless, needy, or yeah. sometimes lazy, Yeah. right? Um, and I think this example is really a wonderful way about, um, we had talked in a previous podcast about this embodied affectivity, right? And so how we really navigate our environment, the way we move, position our body, and how that can impact the emotions that we feel. So when we get our kiddos moving and in that superhero role, we see now this takes on those characteristics, right, of helpful and strong and brave and powerful, and they're becoming superheroes and even villains, right? Mm-hmm. So there's also that line of, I need to play in the <laughs> in yeah. the rule breaking yeah. again, yeah. and how do I cross boundaries? It yeah, it's also, very powerful yeah. and brave to be a rule breaker. <laughs> yeah, as well. exactly. Yes. Yeah, it also allows <laughs> them course. to really kind of like take charge, right? So I get to be the leader, and I get to be the one that has this control where sometimes I feel like I don't have the control because I need more help from other people, right? So there's this whole emotional experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you mentioned with that embodied affectivity, even when you say you have control, right? I think you, like I just said that, my body came upright and, right, so you think about this your body feels a certain way and does a certain thing, moves a certain way and gives that same feeling of strength. So when I'm feeling in control, I'm feeling proud and I stand upright and I've got a firm, a core, like my core stability is enhanced because I, I am more grounded in that firm position. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just going to highlight too, right? Is that, that vulnerable and tricky feeling goes into that where you can actually physically feel this one right Mm -hmm. and I think for um 
a lot of our kiddos, this helps set the stage for more risk taking and and thinking about like, how do I engage in more complex problem solving now that I have this embodied affectivity? Absolutely. Um, it feels like to me when we're talking about this, you can, it, it has like this whoop sound yeah. to me, right? <laughs> like this like low, slow, kind of hum, like hunched over to like, oh, like standing up proud and like, wait, well, now what can I do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I even feel myself doing it as I'm yes. talking about it, yes. like embodying that. Yep. <laughs> so I, in the even in the mission setup, this often I feel like for our postural um, weaknesses is it's also a breakdown of multiple achievements, right? So there's lots of different goals and there's always an end goal. And so it's almost like I've accomplished this one step, right? So then now I can make it to the next step. So whether we're defeating aliens or saving planets, those mini accomplishments along the way help to build that momentum and the, and the stamina. Um, Absolutely. And again, from the same perspective, we've got like endurance and stamina is such a body based yep. thing that you talk about right is having endurance and stamina to keep up yeah and persist and persist but from an emotional standpoint when we don't feel like we didn't need help like hey wait a minute i just did that and i didn't need help i didn't feel helpless i i may do that again yeah. right and that endurance to power through that that neediness to get to that powerful feeling yeah and and how does this then right build that internal it's really about internal motivation right and so there's power in the feedback that I'm getting. And now there's, there is a sense of knowing. Um, and there's this sense of also pushing, mm-hmm. pushing the limit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to, we talk about with our kids with postural instability um, or just this general weakness in their body as needing to push through all the time. Yeah. That we, we don't see how much work is being done underneath uh, because it really is work just to be upright most mm-hmm. of the day. And so we don't necessarily see how much effort it takes to do the things that we need to do. But I think when we, when we layer this emotional experience of powering through – We've got this really nice top-down, bottom-up experience yep. um, that really allows that push to keep going. Yeah, I think so too. And when you think about therapeutically, right, it's like now that you do have that endurance and now I get to process things in real time too. So this is something I wanted to also mention is even though, you know, we kind of know what we're doing <laughs> or what we're striving for, I will say mm-hmm. – they bring so many of their own tidbits into the interactions. And so when we're able to process that in real time and then reframe the concept of needing help, right, then we get to balance that I, I need help sometimes, but I can also provide help, right, and that we all need help. And that's something I think that just helps to normalize the experience as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the give and take of that, I really like. I kind of got an image of like a like a push and pull mm-hmm. when you were saying that, um, where I need help, but I can help you. But I need help with this, but then you need help with this. And it's okay to need help, and it doesn't mean that I'm helpless yeah. if yeah. I need help. And I don't have to shut down, right, because this is a, a safe space for me. And so then I get to build this sense of autonomy, right, where – Really, when we think about autonomy, it's this psychological freedom, choice, controlled, right? And and thinking about how that then supports and builds that self-worth. So good enough, right? I, I always think about that too is like, you know, as we're going out there and defeating, <laughs> you know, all of these um, aliens and it can get tricky there are moments where we can then say like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was good enough, yeah. right? And, and help to power through that and thinking about how um, – we then take that empowerment from where maybe generally we see 
this inactive, passive, low endurance, defeated, helpless, to this needy and activated, stable, strong, brave, helpful, and compassionate um, role. So this really supports skills in that social-emotional area of um, communication, thinking about competence, right? So success at play, facing fears and conflicts, that emotional expression piece, and the, and then how does this all support that self-confidence? Absolutely. And you brought up facing fears and conflicts. And I think this is one of those things that right at the beginning of, of your addition to the, the ideas here of not understanding the emotional side of yeah. how this shows up, how this how this body weakness shows up and the fears thing is the biggest piece that consistently shows up is these holding of residual fears mm-hmm. that are not age expected anymore being in the dark, being in your room by yourself, going down in the basement to play, going to the bathroom by yourself, you know, all of these things that we see held on for older kids that really are appropriate at younger ages, but these these kids still have those fears. And in this play, we, as we're defeating the aliens, right, um, and we're going on a mission to save the planets, we are technically kind of afraid of aliens, right, (laughs) in this play. Well, those are the fears. Like, so we're defeating that fear in the emotional sense, right? I'm afraid that these aliens are attacking my planet and I need to save the day, but now my body feels strong and brave because I'm defeating them. Look what I did. So I'm defeating that fear in play, which will play out to being able to face these fears in real life, yeah, right? So from a, a play standpoint through activating the body in a way that helps them feel strong and brave by pushing, pulling, carrying, climbing, flying, you know, all of these things that we just talked about at the beginning, it's a real life representation of getting rid of something they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I think too, an- another part that you just made me think about is how in that session, in these sessions, it gives the opportunity to explore that space. So there are times where, you know, we're playing and we're on these missions and I'll say, Ooh, have you ever felt, have you ever felt really scared like this before? Right. And I'll lower my voice and, and, you know, it depends on where we're at. Sometimes you're like, no, never. Right. Cause I'm yeah. feeling that, you know, <laughs> yes. that powerfulness. Yes. And yes. then times where, where kids really, you know, pause and say, yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And that gives us an opportunity to explore that space more and talk about that. And then, you know, hop back into the play to then compare and contrast. Absolutely. And I think what we hear is families then say, you know, I'm not sure how this worked, but (laughs) the other day, you know, my child said something like, I'm feeling scared, but I'm going to be brave. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and they have the body embodied experience of standing up super tall, right? I'm feeling really scared and I'm afraid of this, but I'm going to be brave. And they kind of switch to this upright posture. Um, And, you know, that's the the play out of this emotional experience that that we're seeing um, moving from not feeling strong enough to handle the world to now I'm strong and brave Mm -hmm. um, through the body work. So our next um, sensory emotional personality and our our final for this series is our scattered yet intentional and passionate uh, sensory emotional personality. And this personality style generally represents our kids with differences in motor planning and and or motor coordination. So I think it's always important to take the opportunity to say that a child can have challenges in motor planning and also be good at motor skills. Right. So um, this is the trickiest kind of 
profile to discover, um, unless you're working in this model, mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like this model super supports our identification of, of kids that fall in this category um, by understanding these intentional and passionate side of the personality style. So we may see a child who has more clear motor challenges, right? Um, have difficulty catching a ball or pumping a swing or riding a bike. Um, but we may also see a child who does very well in practiced motor skills, um, but the day-to-day -day changes in routines, the day-to-day -day need to follow multiple steps to do daily routines, um, or the, when independence in those routines are required, um, that's where we start to see this this kind of breakdown, where this this very scattered approach to daily routines and uh, explosive reactions yeah. to those experiences is generally where we're looking at that motor planning part. So um, with this play, we're really looking at organization, right? So our scattered yet intentional and passionate kids who present very scattered, we want them to feel organized in play, um, both physically and mentally, right? Being able to organize something to happen in a sequential, organized way, um, and to feel confident that they can do that, right. right? That they can go from this place of confusion, frustration, I don't know how to do this to, wait a second, I do, I can do this, then this, then this, right? Um, so in the play, we're really working on uh, various ways to move the body and in sequential steps. So the play theme is organization and confidence. Our sensory motor experiences primarily focus on these various ways to move the body um, from coordination of our own body to moving across space in a logical sequential way. So for this example, let's look at um, my favorite one for this SEP, which is a child who's the ruler of the kingdom, um, and they need to protect it from some sort of bad entity. Mm -hmm. Like we, in our, if you're picturing Great Kids Place, we have a castle room um, that has dragons, lots of dragons in it. <laughs> so we often play with those dragons. So we'll, we'll use that as a mental image for those of you who are here at Great Kids Place, or if you're not and you can picture... Um, a castle with dragons kind of around the room um, and then that your child is the king or queen and they need to protect that land from these dragons. So the, the play begins with designing the kingdom. Um, so even though we have a room that has a castle in it, we still spend some time on organizing that space to make the kingdom the way that that ruler would like the kingdom to be. And then they're traveling through that kingdom to defend it. So we're using various pieces of equipment, swings, climbing equipment, lycra hammocks, balance pads, um, really anything that we have <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to use this play. I often say Anything you can get your hands on for play, for motor planning, motor coordination is useful yep. because we really are just focusing on the different ways the body can move in an organized way in different positions. Um, so our sensory experiences focus on this movement experience and this planning of each step and our social emotional experiences are helping our kids move from this feeling of feeling scattered or frustrated and disorganized to feeling confident and organized. So expanding a bit more on the, the sensory motor experiences, when we think about motor planning, it's, there's several areas. It is um, planning what we're going to do, having an idea, planning it, executing it, 
and adapting the plan. That is our biggie. That is usually the one that stops up most of our kids is when the plan doesn't quite work out the way that we thought it was going to work out. What do we do now? Um, So the idea is to work within that space, to plan, make the plan, do the plan, change the plan if we need to change the plan. So we can think about this experience, um, as I mentioned, from a body level and a space level, right? So our body level can be um, character moves, right? So as as we're the king or queen of this land, we may have sword battles and we have different moves for each dragon, right? And what we're focusing on with those warrior type moves is the coordination of two sides of the body, right? So what's the sequence of the move that's going to defeat that dragon, mm-hmm. right? Do we do a swipe and then up from the top and then a swipe from the bottom? Do we do a side swipe? Do we do a spin swipe? Like what kind of moves do we do with that sword to defeat that dragon? So that's a body level example, of this motor planning and motor coordination from a space level this um is more about can start with the setting up of the space and then move through movement through the space so in setting up the kingdom we are thinking about the most efficient objects to use and the best place for them to be so if you listened to last week's podcast, that might sound a lot like discrimination, sensory discrimination, sensory perception. And remember, just like we just mentioned in the, in the postural stability piece, all of this starts in sensation. So as we're working within this SCP, um, even though we're primarily thinking about this planning, executing, adapting component, we're doing tons of sensory work. And so part of the consideration is within the, the what is needed for that specific child. So, for example, if we're thinking about that there's a sensory discrimination weakness underlying this motor planning component, then we are focusing on having the just right match of the materials, of the movement, of the placement of the body, of the placement of the objects as we're setting up our kingdom and moving through it. If we're thinking about sensory registration or modulation, then we're thinking about adding big bursts of movement, big bursts of muscle activation or touch experiences, or minimizing those experiences if needed. And then if we have an underlying postural instability or core strength challenge, then within that setup or that movement through the kingdom, we're adding in that lifting, pushing, pulling, carrying aspect. So a lot of different considerations go into the sensory emotional personality play because there's an underlying sensory processing capacity to what we're looking at from a motor planning, motor coordination standpoint. Um, So when we're constructing the kingdom, we're considering all the different objects that we're using and all the different ways that we're moving our body, but also placing them in a logical way, right? So if we have a moat that's around the castle, but we placed it too far away from the castle, that doesn't make sense, yeah. right? <laughs> so we've got to go back and wonder and say, I wonder where the best place is to put the moat around the castle. So we're, we are incorporating those underlying sensory capacities and the strategies that we've talked about for all the other ones as well because motor planning is a culmination of all of that, that sensory work. So then we would move to going through the kingdom, right? So we've set up our kingdom however we want with different blocks, different swings, different um, balancing activities, the ball pit, the cushions, everything that we have to kind of build our walls maybe around our kingdom and different sections of our kingdom that we'd want to visit and make sure that everybody's safe in that section. 
Um, and then as we move through, again, we're thinking about those sensory capacities that need work, right? So if we've decided that there's a scattered yet intentional and passionate personality style in play, then we've likely already talked about a vestibular, proprioceptive, tactile, auditory, um, visual system that needs some work as well. So as we're moving through our kingdom to have that vestibular system activated, we've got our swings that we're using as bridges to move through the land. We've got our swings that become ropes or vines that are used to swing up and reach the dragons or jump over a castle wall. From a muscle proprioception standpoint, we're climbing on the swings, we're climbing on the rock walls, we're going down the slides to get the dragons, we're wading through the ball pit um, as the moat, um, or if it's a river that runs through the kingdom, again, there may be some dragons hiding in that moat that we're, that we're wading through. We're bouncing on our lycra hammocks, so our hammocks may become catapults to blast boulders at the dragons. Um, and from a tactile standpoint, we've got dragons of various textures. We have knight costumes. We've got different hats and different things to wear to add that tactile piece to it. Um, and we also have our, our like our hammocks that have different textures as well. So if um, you see that happening within the play, it is all intentionally chosen for that sensory system. Um, at a cognitive level, we're also thinking about, we might be thinking about it in advance. So if we're at a higher level motor planning capacity, we, we might want to imagine what we're going to build. Uh, we might draw it out first. We might describe it first and then do it, which works at that highest level. So thinking about how that plays out to daily routines, yeah, right, for our for kids sure. that need to start thinking about all the steps that they need to do to finish their routine, that's a higher level motor planning capacity. So if we are working there, then we're having them think about and describe all of the things we just talked about before actually doing them. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, the thinking about the social emotional experiences. So this this is just one of my favorite <laughs> play themes yes. to play in. So um, as you mentioned before, when we see the difficulties with motor planning, we see the challenges present in that ability to plan, sequence, execute, and then adapt their ideas. So um, and then how do we organize through time and space? And I feel like that is always something that stands out to me the most in this personality is to think about long term outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in thinking about uh, this is really one, I think, where we see the most or maybe the bigger emotional experiences yes. in this profile. So Definitely. I think that's one of the most notable signs. Um, and it's really for thinking about how they navigate that dyspraxia. It, it does make us feel scattered. Of course, we're going to get frustrated and mm -hmm. then we're going to feel unmotivated. And this can then show on surface level as I'm explosive. Yes. I'm I'm lacking confidence, so then I say things to maybe make you feel not great because mm -hmm. I don't feel great. Mm -hmm. um, and then we see really thinking about, too, is just that um, bossy side, mm -hmm. right, or that label of bossy because mm -hmm. we're trying to really, in reality, gain a sense of control over all these unpredictable outcomes that we're experiencing when our actions are not sequenced in that logical way. So in thinking about this example – it takes that child's common emotional experience of fe feeling vulnerable and at times maybe being insecure and unsure, which results in quote unquote behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And wanting to be the lead and the director and have control. And this play reframes this in a positive way of then creating organization, promoting confidence, 
shifting to a new mindset of I have to conquer the kingdom and and the work that this does both internally and externally. Mm-hmm. So, and I think as you mentioned this idea of feeling vulnerable but also powerful, yeah. right? So I'm in this role. I feel vulnerable. Like I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through this. And, and it's my job to do this. Like I'm the ruler of this kingdom and I have to be confident because right. that's my job to do this. Um, but I feel really worried at the same time and skirting on that space of dysregulation for that responsibility. Yeah. So again, yeah. bringing your, you to the edge, right? Yes. We were talking about this yes. a lot. We're bringing you to the edge and then we're coming back to, to repair and recover. Yeah. And I think in this edge, we're talking about that coming to the edge of frustration, mm-hmm. but then moving into intention, yeah. right? So even if it comes across as bossy, that's the intention. I'm intentionally bossing this yeah. because <laughs> that's how I stay regulated in this particular moment. Um, but giving this safe space to feel bossy because you're the ruler, um, but also collaborative with your kingdom yeah. and the members in it. <laughs> yeah. And so as that, right, the role of that leader or ruler is that I'm stepping into a place of empowerment. And then I get to protect myself. So we see the materials that are often used in this type of play, the swords, the costumes, you know, the shield, um, the shield, yes. anything <laughs> that really does show up symbolically of I need a sense of protection between me and this thing, right? Or you. <laughs> um, and we see in that role that then they're prepared to face and handle adversity and allowing them to explore really relational dynamics and roles, right? Because then we get to kind of shift to what our response is going to be in that play of like, all right, you totally defeated me right off the bat or, well, oh, I'm back for more, right? Mm-hmm. So we get to kind of um, play around with that a little bit. And then again, we Which see- I think plays in that um, adaptation. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so even though like as we're playing, they're not just kind of going through this by themselves, defeating the dragons. And, you know, sometimes we are kind of more the cheer or honor because that's mm-hmm. what they need at that time. But then when we're ready, we can jump in and make that a little unpredictable. Like maybe the dragon does an unexpected move and now they need to make a new plan. Yes. Like their move that they were going to do to defeat that dragon no longer works, mm-hmm. right? And so they have that experience of needing to change their plan based on an unexpected change in plan and feeling that same, oh, no, I'm going to lose it feeling, but because we're in play, they don't, right? Then they can quickly, more quickly come up with a new plan Mm -hmm. and And do that. I get to explore new and different ways of being. So I think that's a huge, a huge thing to point out. Um, the kingdom set up itself, right? So, so much thinking, uh, uh, so there's so much in thinking about how we set up the kingdoms too, right? With them. And this really provides an opportunity for um, navigating a lot of different play themes, right? So we see, sometimes we see more aggressive play themes come out. And I know we talked about this in a previous podcast of the, oh, I want to hold, hold back, right? But it's really thinking about too is, then moving into control and safety and security and then exploring, you know, nurturing or connection types of play. And then how do I explore this, you know, quote unquote goodness and quote unquote badness, right, to Mm -hmm. help them normalize these different experiences. 
Um, yeah, we often see this play come up as um, the kids want to take the bad guy role. Yeah. Right? And um, I know you and I talk a lot about this because I'm like, okay, we're stuck. We're stuck in this bad guy role sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and often it's because they, they feel bad. Like they are the yes. bad guy in real life. Right? Mm-hmm. So I can't do things the right way. I, I always need help. I can't figure this out. I am explosive all the time. I ruin my plans all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I ruin the family's plans all the time. So I must be a bad guy. Um, so this idea of putting them in, in the space of goodness helps to feel a different way than they normally feel or staying in this badness role. And then we often will say, well, we're not really bad. We're just misunderstood. Yes, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and thinking about like, then how do we explore fair and unfair and, you know, whether it's taking on the bad guy role to feel bad, or also sometimes we see it pop up too, when we take on the thing that scares us, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to understand it more too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that then helps to give us this internal sense of control. So therapeutically, we, we see so much happening as they're, you know, gravitating towards this testing and, and, (laughs) and kind of experimentation in a different way, right? And it allows us to think about, um, reframing, staying in frustration, building the pauses, thinking about how do we explore these unexpected things. And I think if you've been at Great Kids Place, you hear, that was tricky Mm -hmm. or what a surprise (laughs) um, a lot. And that really taps into just, again, how do we make sense of this experience for them? And, and label it. Um, and build that pause, right? Yeah. So I know we, you and I, when we talk, we talk a lot about this coming up to the edge and then not going over, but there needs to be something that helps in the middle. And usually it's that pause. That is a huge thing, right? Is coming up, giving an opportunity to pause, and we get to kind of monitor what's taking place. And sometimes we do go over because there's this buildup of that frustration and you might see then where we move into fight or flight. And I think a a really important thing to highlight is to allow that to happen in the safety of your relationship and in the safety of the space. Because when we try to repair too quickly or we try to, you know, um, I don't want to say fix, but we try to go in to help, right? Because it's all good intention then what happens is then we don't move through that emotion and then there's not the repair and recovery, right? Mm -hmm. So I think in order, and something I always try to think about is in order to work through behavior, we need to move through Mm -hmm. the behavior and then find the safety and the security and thinking about how do I help that child to process that and also to give this message of your feelings are are not too big for me and I know they might feel big for you and we've got this and so I think that that's an awesome kind of way to reframe that experience when we do see it happen Mm -hmm. and I think that what we can do in this kind of play is we're not only moving through the emotion but we're moving it through with the body right Mm -hmm. so um something we talk about with this this body-based experiences, we, the explosive reactions generally come because things have been hard all day, right? So we, we kind of got this right, but not really. And then we kind of did this thing the wrong way, but nobody noticed, but we noticed. And then we had a really hard time doing this when my friends didn't have a really, right? So there's this buildup, like you're saying, of these 
frustration points, yeah. right? So it's not usually the the thing that time mm-hmm. that was the big deal. It right. was the buildup across the whole day that everything was hard for me to plan and organize. And now I just had enough. Like yeah. enough is enough. I think that's classic when you see like, it's time to tie your shoe, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And that is yes. the edge. That's the edge. I've reached my max. Yes, yes. So if we can comfortably support the movement through with their body which sometimes in our play in this play theme looks like aggressive play yep right and and we always would say that's okay Mm -hmm. in this moment because we're there it's a safe place we're all playing we have boundaries Mm -hmm. right you can't hurt me you can't hurt yourself but if you're fighting a dragon and you're really frustrated and you really fought that dragon and it's a stuffed animal by all means, yep. right? And that energy that has to go somewhere, right? So yes. I have this buildup. I can't just stop it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So it has to go somewhere. So then I we get to be creative and say, how do I, where does it go? Mm-hmm. Exactly what you're saying. So then it goes to the dragons and it goes yes. to, yes. to those. And we often don't then see that they do that on the playground, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> so we have this outlet. We have this space. We have this way to do it. And at the time, we can give language around the experience when we've come down from it, which that gets transferred Mm -hmm. to the moment, right? Not that aggressive play. Yeah. And so this play theme and and this example really just highlights this empowerment from being overwhelmed and uncertain or jumbled, uh, lacking a plan or having frustration and and feeling explosive or bossy, right? To thinking about, I feel clear, I'm understood, I'm organizing, I'm more confident, I'm persistent, intentional and and passionate about what is taking place. And so the social emotional skills that are really supported is that, again, going back into in a different way, I'm facing conflicts and fears. I'm understanding both sides to emotions, right? And and I don't like to label emotions as good or bad. I We have good emotions, good feeling emotions, and we have tricky feeling emotions. Mm-hmm. And then how does this then also think about how do we um, build trust? How do I explore different rules and responsibilities, um, really thinking about creative thinking and conflict resolution, cooperation, mm-hmm. and increased self-esteem, and leading and following. So mm-hmm. um, a lot with that exploration of the, the different social-emotional roles. Mm-hmm. And I think that this also gives us opportunity of problem-solving together, Yeah. right? Where when because we're in play, we can experience these bigger emotions and work through them together, not feel like I'm alone in this emotion, not feel like I don't know what to do in this emotion or that there's nothing I can do, mm-hmm. right? But having that time and space because that in real life for the, for all of us doesn't happen, right? So mm-hmm. we we don't have time to sit and problem solve or adapt a plan. It's like we're just like, oh, this is just what we're doing. Come on, let's go, right? And for our kids with this SCP, changes of plans are being rushed through the daily routine are, are not helpful. Right. Um, so there's needs to be that time and space to have an opportunity to take the extra time to make the plan and then also to sit in the experience of it not working mm-hmm. and coming up with a new plan, right, to help with the body-based experience of that but also all of these social-emotional things. Yeah, and I think about something, too, that we use a lot here, too, is that I'm picturing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, setting it up to where there's this um, – sense of curiosity right so like all right here's your plan (laughs) i'm picturing this Mm -hmm. you're picturing this Mm -hmm. and then this way too it just brings it around full circle so that way you know there is that therapeutic support Mm -hmm. to 
what might happen if those plans look different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you just think about all the things we just talked about, how many plans needed to be made, Mm -hmm. how many plans (laughs) needed to be changed, how many opportunities were the child held from a body-based and emotional standpoint to make those changes so that they can experience like when things happen unexpected and they change on me, I can handle that. Right. Right. I know how that I can do that. So actually, I have a a slight different take on to go, a different direction to go here when you said picturing um, and thinking about us asking to picture where we're playing here Mm -hmm. and how we're playing. And a question that comes up a lot is, um, you know, how did we set up our rooms or how do we come up with the ideas and how do we, you know, play within each room? And you know, as we've mentioned in these two podcasts, we do have rooms with different themes, but there's still flexibility, yeah. right? And I think that is the dynamic aspect of being in play is we're not going to fight dragons every time we're in the castle room, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we're not going to rescue planets from aliens every time we're in the space room, but that there's some flexibility and that we could be actually playing the same exact thing for different reasons. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> so we fight dragons with every different SCP, mm-hmm. but it accomplishes a different goal. So we use these examples in these two podcasts just kind of rotely with these particular SCPs, but we just don't want everybody to kind of picture <laughs> that this is the only way to play and that this theme can only be played with this sensory emotional personality style, but just that we use these as examples for the sake of, of giving some deeper descriptions here try to demystify what's happening in play so that comes to brings us to the conclusion of our what's happening in play series for each of the sensory emotional personality styles we hope this has brought some clarity into what you're seeing while you're watching us play um, and has continued to enhance your understanding of us not just playing um, and the importance of just playing right. <laughs> when we ask you to do that at home with your kids. So thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to you being with us next week. Thank you. If you have any specific wonders about the way that your child's processing the world and the emotional expression of that sensory motor capacity, please visit our website, greatkidsplace.com. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please note that the content shared in this podcast is being provided for educational and informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The resources provided are not intended to be therapeutic interventions, and individuals should consult with qualified healthcare professionals for personalized guidance regarding their occupational therapy and mental health needs. See you next time.